We spent a great deal of time in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I hope it was a help to you. I hope it was a challenge to you. I enjoyed it. We're going to shift gears just a little bit today, and we're going to talk about money. Oh, the famed speech on money and what we're going to do with it. Everybody, uh, money is one of those hot topics that nobody likes to talk about. We like to talk about it in uh, how to save it. We like to talk about it in how to invest it and make more of it, but we never like to talk about it in, a con- in the context of the church, okay? We never like to talk about it then. We want to avoid that part, but money is a necessary part of our lives, is it not? Uh, especially in today's society. I mean, there was a day when it was, a, you could get away a little bit by trading in different things. Um, and so you could get away with not having money, but you had to have some sort of currency, whether that was furs or whether that was a, a, uh, something that you did, a trade that you learned. But money, along with all of our resources, really do play an incredibly important part in our everyday lives. And uh, I hate it, um, especially um, now there's, there's a quite a difference between those people who carry cash all the time and people like me who never carry cash. Uh, I, I, you can tell a, uh, a generation by how thick their wallet is, okay? Um, older generation, their wallet is so thick, and it doesn't mean that you have more money. It just means that you have a thicker wallet, and usually you're carrying cash and a lot of cards, and not credit cards, just like rewards cards, because you don't realize that there's an app for all of those, okay? So when I realized that there was an app for everything, my wallet's like uh, not even close to half the size anymore, and I rarely carry cash. Every once in a while, someone will pay me in cash for something, uh, whether it's, you know, getting rid of something on Kijiji or something like that, but uh, what we do with our money is extremely important. And uh, let me ask you this uh, incredibly important question off the top. Okay, right off the top, let's ask this question. What do you do with your money? What do you do with your money? Now, if your answer to that question is, I don't know, then you have a problem, okay? You, you need to know where your money is going. If you have no idea, that's a problem, all right? I would encourage everybody to get on some sort of a budget. Okay, I would encourage that for everyone. Get on some sort of a budget. But what do you do with your money? What do you do with your money, all right? Let's have a word of prayer. We'll jump into this. Father, thank you so much for this day, for all that you've done for us. Thank you for allowing us to be here this evening. Father, I pray that your word would again speak and that we would understand and learn from it. And Father, that you would again convict our, our hearts and convict ourselves as we move forward in this life and as we look at people that have need. Father, I pray that your will would be accomplished. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15, we spent a great deal of time on the resurrection of the dead. Something that, um, probably not overly exciting, but Paul spent a great deal of time on it. It affects so much of our lives. So much of our lives. And Paul begins to talk about those things and begins to um, show us that because of the resurrection of the dead, we have victory. We just sang faith is the victory. Okay? We have a faith in Jesus Christ, and we have the victory. Jesus has already given us the victory. Now we just need to claim that. We need to live like we are going to rise from the dead again. We need to live with eternity in mind. 
And we, he says toward the end of the, of the chapter, in fact, we talked a little bit about it last week, but I want you to notice verse 58 of chapter 15. He says, therefore, because we have the victory in Jesus Christ, because the sting of death is no longer, because we have the victory over death, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And we said this last week, now that you have, understand and have uh, the resurrection of the dead, you have life after death. Now let's live like it. Let's live like we have the victory in Jesus Christ. And so because we have this, let's always abound in the work of the Lord. Just work for Christ. Just live for him. In fact, be steadfast. Don't stop living for him. Just constantly be living for him. Which then transitions us into chapter 16. In verse 1, the Bible says this, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I find it very interesting, and I, I, I would say it this way, how convenient, Paul, how convenient that you nestle this little controversial issue right here next to living for the Lord, okay? Oh, preachers are pretty good at that, aren't we? Maybe not me, but most preachers are, okay? Most preachers are good at guilt-tripping you into giving your money, okay? And I don't really think that Paul is doing this, but he's trying to establish the fact that, listen, we have so much to give. We have so much to be thankful for. We have so much in Christ. We are, we're dead in our trespasses and sins, he says in Ephesians chapter 2, but we are made alive now. We don't have to worry about this faulty uh, thinking. Listen, we don't have to worry about this world. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. So what do we do with our treasures here on this earth? What do we do with them? We need to invest them into heavenly places. So most of us really don't like to let go of our finances, do we? Um, we really don't. Uh, there, are, there are a very select few that are very, um, shall I say, liberal with their giving. For the most part, we are not. We are a, a, a society that likes to hold on. We work hard for our money. We work hard for it. And in our society, it truly is our lifeline. In fact, if you don't have money, you, pr you pretty much you don't survive. Okay, you can, you can go into London and you can stand on the curbside for a while, right? But at some point, you need some money of some sort. You need some sort of money. And so we don't like to let go of our finances. We want to hang on to them as tightly as possible. But I want you to notice, first of all, this evening... I want you to see this, uh, who the collection is for. Notice with me now concerning the collection for the saints. For the saints. Okay, this collection is for the saints. We find out in verse uh, 3 that these people are going to take it unto Jerusalem. 
Okay, so these are for the saints in Jerusalem. Now, there was a lot going on in Jerusalem, a whole lot going on, all the way from Acts chapter 8 when Saul, the person who's writing this, comes in and disperses the church at Jerusalem. The Bible tells us that the, only the apostles were left. I mean, Paul made havoc of the church. Okay, so this was not necessarily a good thing that was happening to the church. And now Paul is, you know, uh, converted. Paul is saved now. He's living for the Lord. He's teaching. He's doing all these different things. And now Paul is saying, listen, the, the church at Jerusalem is really struggling. To be honest with you, I don't know all that's entailed in what the church is struggling with. This I do know, that it's struggling. This I do know. We know that they needed some help. And I personally don't think that the reason is important sometimes. I don't think the reason is important sometimes as, as much as the need is important. Have you ever tried to separate the reason from the need? That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Let me, let me illustrate how this is hard. Hey, somebody comes up to you at a gas station. Hey, can I have some money? Well, what do you need? Well, I, I'm headed to Nova Scotia. And I need some, money, some gas money to get there. Well, tell me a little bit of your backstory, right? And we have this game that we play, and I, I'm not trying to say it's wrong, but we try to figure out if this guy is deserving of our money, okay? I don't necessarily know the reason. I just know this man has a need. Did he do something ridiculous that got him into this situation? Most likely, Right? Most likely he did. And I don't know what the church, all, the, all that's surrounding this. I just know that there is a need, and it's a legitimate need for the church in Jerusalem. There was a need that needed to be filled, and who better to fill it than other Christians? Than other Christians. By the way, the church has a history of filling and fulfilling other Christians' needs. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And verse 34. Acts chapter 4 and verse 34. Acts chapter 4. Much is going on in the early church. But I want you to notice verse 34. The Bible says, neither was there any among them that lacked. Wow, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? But notice, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite in the country of Cyprus, having sold having land, excuse me, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And then we get into Acts chapter 5 and Ananias and Sapphira who said that they would give so much and then backed out on it. And they died from it. They lied to the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand that the church has a history of this. The, the church uh, as a greater whole has had a history of giving and helping each other in their needs. In fact, hospitals, man, how wonderful hospitals are was originally started by Christians. Christians helping people. And now we look at it today and go, wow, you know, almost what, what an amazing thing is and what a mess it is at the same time. 
right? And so we have a history, Christians have a history of helping people in need. And our world has gotten more and more needy, has it not? More and more needy. We live in the richest country, one of the richest countries in all the world, and we still have people. I saw somebody today in London that was on a street corner that has need, okay? But here's the problem is we've been burned sometimes, haven't we? Every one of us has. Every one of us has given money to someone and watched them go squander it or felt like they were going to squander it. Like we have all, so now we have all of these conditions that need to be met, specifically here at the church, right? We do not just go give money to anybody. We have people call quite often, hey, can you help us? We have a few principles laid out that how we will help them, but the one thing we will not do is just give somebody cash, okay? At this point in our life, because we have been burned so many times, we will go buy, give, give me a list of groceries that you need, and we'll go buy them for you, and we'll drop them off. It's an opportunity to help. There are ways to help without getting burned, so to speak. But here's a lot of times what we think, especially from the church, well, they better show up to church this week, right? I just want to bring you back to what Jesus said, okay? Jesus said, a cup of cold water given in my name shall not return void. That's, that's something that's given in his name. It is not something, listen, so often, so often we think, if I'm going to invest this money, I better see an immediate return. I want you to understand that God does not always work that way. Sometimes we cast our bread upon the waters and we, we wait for this return. Listen, it may not come from that person, but I want you to understand, if you give someone something in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will not let that go to waste. You will receive something in return. I don't know what. You will. But this was for the collection of the saints, for the saints. The church has a history of this. The church has a history of having open pocketbooks. Open pocketbooks. Here's the deal. Most of the times, we tend to grip our money really tight. We tend to grip it really tight. Again, as I said before, there's all kinds of reasons for that. I know this, okay? I live this every day. I want to grip my money so tightly. But the tighter we grip it, the more money falls through our fingers, it's so hard to hang on to. But Paul had obviously given some instruction before, if you'll go back to the passage. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. So he'd obviously given some instruction to the churches in Galatia in regard to doing this some same thing. And this points out that this was not just one church helping. It's, it's so much more encouraging when there's a team effort, isn't it? Man, I'm not the only one giving to this. We're all giving to this. We're all supporting this. We're all getting on board, right? That's so much more fun than if I'm the only person. Oh, it's just drudgery sometimes at that point. Churches were working toward the same goal. But you might ask yourself the question, well, what did Paul say to the churches of Galatia? Well, here's the reality. We don't know. We don't know. There is no a direct link 
to this verse here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 to some verse in Galatians. There's no direct link. However, there are some principles that I believe apply. So let's go over there. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. The book of Galatians is definitely not a financial book. It is not a financial book. It is a book based upon the law and grace. That is what it's based on. That is what it refers to. It's constantly talking about that. But there are some principles here. And there are some, some similar wording. So I cannot guarantee you that this is what Paul was referring to. However, there are some wonderful principles here. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself also, or considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Look at verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I just want to stop there. Okay, the biblical mandate here to the children of the church of Galatia is, listen, you need to bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's financial burdens. I find this difficult. I'm just going to be honest. Hey, you got yourself in that situation and get yourself out of that situation. That's typically how we think, is it not? Or am I just the only loser standing up here? That's typically how we think. You got yourself in this situation. Now you're going to have to get yourself out. Okay? And that sometimes is the case where we have to, you, you can't just completely fix everyone's problems. Well, that's typically how we think, but we need to bear one another's burdens. We need to help one another. Listen, it might be that you can provide a job for somebody to help with that burden without just fully giving them money free of charge. Listen, it doesn't necessarily have to work that way. There's all kinds of different things that we do, but we need to bear each other's burdens. Verse 3, for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Now that's interesting. Okay, he ties this in. Listen, every man ought to bear a burden of another man, but that man ought to bear his own burden as well. You don't have to take up their burden and they get to walk away from it. This is a mutual working through this, okay? So that's why it's not just a handout all the time and you are fixing everybody's problem. They have to bear it as well. Verse six, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Verse seven, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now I want you to stop there. That's very similar to what he said in verse 58 of chapter 15 of the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Listen, the, 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 what I believe here is the principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. 
The, the reality is the amount of time and the amount of money that we hang on to is the amount of money that we will never see sown, that we will never see invested, that we will never see reaped. Sowing and reaping. Look at verse 10. Very similar wording or very similar thought process. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Especially to the saints. This is the collection for the saints. Do good to them, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Galatians chapter 6 could be what Paul is referring to. I don't know. But here's what I do know. The tighter you grip your finances, the less you will have. Let me say that again. The tighter you grip your finances, the less you will have. But listen to this. The more you give of your finances, listen, not the more you will get. That's how we like to say it, don't we? The more I give, the more I will get. Eh, wrong. Think about it this way. The more you give of your finances, the more you will have to give. The reality is you don't give so that you can get. That's the wrong philosophy with our finances. We ought not to be giving so that God will give us. We ought to be giving so that we can give more. As God blesses us with more, which he will, by the way, Man, I just want to give more and give more and give more. Listen, God has so blessed our church. And it is so much fun to find people in need and give to them. So much fun. If we don't want to be a church that has hundreds of not millions of dollars in the bank, we want to continue to move that money through constantly. Because when we sow... We're going to reap so that we can what? Sow again. If you know anything about farming, you reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. You reap after you've sown. Always. But the interesting thing is this. Every farmer, especially back in the old days, takes a portion of what they have reaped in order to sow it again. Every single time. They take a portion of what they have reaped so that they can sow it again. Man, if we're, we're, collect, we're uh, uh, reaping corn this year, we're harvesting the corn, we're going to take a portion of that so that we can plant corn in another field next year. Okay, listen, it's, it, and it's not just to store it. We're not just storing it. We want it to cast it out on the, on the fields again. We want to get it out. We constantly want to get this into other people's hands, into the hands of those who need it. Okay, the reality is there are all kinds of people all over this world that have greater needs than what we do right now. Greater needs. Man, I don't know how to help the people in Afghanistan, but my heart breaks. My heart breaks. And, and the reality is money may not be the best thing. I don't know. But some resource we've... There's got to be some way to help. 
Maybe one of you has a wonderful idea. I don't know, but I want you to understand there are people that are going through very extremely difficult times. Persecution like we have never known. The church at Jerusalem had gone through a bunch of persecution like we have never known. And they had need. It was a collection for the saints. The principle of sowing and reaping. And listen, you can, you can live your life hanging on to your money. And now I'm, I'm not trying to say that you should not uh, pay your bills. Okay, you should pay your bills. Absolutely. But I want you to understand the next thing that we do should not necessarily be to help prosper our own lives. It ought to be how can we help further other people in this world? How can we help give that collection from the saints, for the saints, excuse me. But I want you to notice verse two. Paul says, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. I'll be honest with you. This has been a principle that has said, well, we ought to be tithing on Sunday, okay? I don't disagree with that. I'm just not sure that's exactly what he's saying. Because notice at the end, he says that there be no gatherings, which is actually the same word of collection when I come. We're not gathering more when I come. Why? Well, like, is there, like, it, has to, it has to do with something as to how they were preparing it or you know, what it was exactly. It may not have even been money. It could have been non-perishable items, right? It was probably canned food back then. Okay, I, I, again, I don't know what it was, but these people were giving to the needs of the people in Jerusalem, so I'm not sure what all of this means. But this is, this is what I want you to see in this verse. As God hath prospered him. Okay, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. As God hath prospered him. Okay, let me ask you this question. Who has prospered you? No, 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 no. You all just answered God. You did. Every one of you did. Okay? But truly and all honestly, who, who do we actually think has prospered us? Most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we look back and go, look at what I have done. I have worked hard. I have made good decisions. I've made good investments. I've, 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 I've. And I'm not trying to say that you need to be done with your money. I think it's great. I, I admire people who have done well. But the reality is, without God, you can do nothing. God is the one who prospers. Listen, we must get this in our mind because if we think that look at what I have done, then very rarely will you look and say, I am going to give because you have done what you have done. And if you do give, it is purely for the pride of giving. It's for the pride. Well, I gave to charity X amount of dollars this year. We could put it on our income tax form and be like, yeah, I get a tax break for this. Right? And, you know, oh, we, we, we want to do all these social justice things and throw money at things and oh, we want to give. Listen, this, this is not what Christ wants in our giving. Christ wants a humble spirit in giving. 
And so let me ask you again, who has prospered you? This is so important to this entire thing because when we realize that God has prospered us, guess who, what we realize we are? Just conduit. Just a pipe in which things flow through to be dispersed in other places. We are simply a conduit. God has given me so that I might give to other people. God has given to me so that I might give to other people. Again, God has given to me so that I might give to other people. And listen, I can guarantee you this. When you plug up this end, no more is going to fall from this end. It's not going to happen. It will only continue to be used through you. It, that's the only way it's going to be. And listen, God wants you to be a conduit. God, God wants you to be his vessel of honor. He, he wants you to be that. And so many of us are saying, God, please give me. God, please give me so that I can. <laughs> I'm going to support the business. And I'm going to go buy myself a new whatever. Right? I'm helping people by buying. Okay? Come on. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about helping those in need. And listen, define need. Man, there's all kinds of them. All kinds of needs all over this place. Again, I don't want to necessarily harp on that too much, but I want you to understand when you realize that God has prospered you and you are just the conduit by which finances flow through you, be far more easy to let go. And just say, my God will supply all my need and I want to help supply your need. My God will supply my need and I want to help supply your need. By the way, God told me to give this to you. God told me that you needed this. I, God showed me your need. This is all about God. This is not about you looking something like someone special. This is not like you looking like someone who's, who's so godly and has so much money. This is not about you. This is about God working through you. We're simply a conduit. I want you to try and finish up here. Look at verse 3 and 4. The Bible says this. And when I come, watch, watch now, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Okay, what's going with him? What's going with these people? Their liberalities. What they liberally gave. Okay, now this is interesting. Again, there's all kinds of need in this world. You watch any amount of t television for any amount of time, a commercial will pop up that will show starving people in Africa. Okay, any amount of time. I want you to understand, that's a, that is a real need. Do you understand that? That's a real need. But here's what I believe. Be wise with your money don't just give your money away for a good need, but give it to a bad courier. Hey, notice, and when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve 
by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. Paul's basically saying there's going to be people that are coming that want to take your goods, your money, your collections, and take it to Jerusalem. You better make sure you have the right people. And here's the reality, is there's a lot of good needs out there that we ought to be giving to. But so often, the people who are taking that money and are supposed to be distributing it are not using it wisely. I am a huge, huge, huge proponent of active, active investment. Listen, it's so, isn't it so easy, like, especially if you've been blessed with money, isn't it so easy just to throw money at things and it makes you feel better? It's just so easy to throw money. Oh man, I gave to this and I gave to that and I gave to this, blah, 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 blah. And, and you know, I don't really care what happens to it. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that we, we ought to be good stewards. We ought to be knowing where our money is going. And listen, we can't control every aspect of it. I want you to understand that. And when it gets to the place of need, I don't, I don't know how to control every aspect. God has to have some part in this, but we ought to be doing our homework. We ought to be vetting these people. We ought to be looking to see if they're worthwhile people. And hear me, and I mean this with all sincerity, you give your money to the church, you better make sure that your ch church is doing the right thing. And we are so open about that. You are more than welcome to come at any time. We have two of our directors here tonight, our financial guys. They see everything that goes on. They sign all the checks. They do all that. Listen, go to them, ask them. Sorry, guys, don't mean to bombard you now, but listen, I mean that. You ought to know what's going on because then that gives you confidence to give more. And when God convicts you to give more, you give more. And when God shows you a need, you give more. And you just continue to be this beautiful, wonderful conduit. But when you begin to think, ooh, I'm not sure that that's safe. And I'm not sure that they're actually doing with the money that I think they should be doing, then what happens? Most of the time, we don't go find someone else. Do we? Well, I've been burned in the past. That's the end of it. Listen. Every one of us has been burned. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. But that's not for us to worry about. We need to do our homework and leave the rest up to God. Listen, finances is not necessarily the most fun topic to talk about. And especially giving away finances. But the reality is, again, simply, so much need. So much need. Realizing that God has blessed us. We ought to be helping to bless other people. But we ought to be doing some homework on how it gets there. Okay, listen. We, I read missionary letters. We don't give missionaries a lot of money. Let's be honest. 150 to $200 a month is not a lot of money for one person. But I want you to understand, I want to know what's going on. I want to understand that they're doing something wise with their money. I want to see them working hard. I want to see them being good stewards of what the Lord has given us to give to them. So I don't want to just be giving people handouts, so we need to vet that out. 
Paul, again, pointing back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The cliche saying is you cannot outgive the Lord. You cannot. So let me encourage you tonight. Start trying. Just try. Try to outgive the Lord. And you will see him do things that you have never seen him do before. All of a sudden, you'll start having money to pay the bills. I'm not kidding you. I see some people shaking their heads. You go ask those people. I can stand up here and tell you that I have no idea on paper how we are where we are. I have no idea how our church is where we are. I'm just telling you, you start casting that out, that seed out, and you start sowing it, you're going to start reaping so that you can sow more and sow more and sow more. God will do some amazing things through you. But you, hey, listen, you have to take the first step and start giving to the necessity of the saints. Let's pray.